The Pace Line Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com forward slash paceline to support the show and learn more. And the Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now on to the show. Hello, Pace Liners. Michael Houghton here, a.k.a. Hottie. What's up? Coming to you from Leadville, Colorado. Uh, scene, of course, of the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race. We are out on our recon ride today, and we're checking out St. Kevin's, which is the first objective of the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race. Now, out here with me today is a Sean Holderbaum, my regular training partner, and Mrs. Hottie. Look, it's Mrs. Hottie. How's it going, Mrs. Hottie? <laughs> Great, except for the altitude. <laughs> yeah. Not bad so far. Yeah. No. Mrs. Hottie knocking out St. Kevin's, not in the race, but giving her go here at the St. Kevin's climb. So this show, of course, will be all about Leadville. Well, we'll squeeze in a few other things with Patrick, uh, but mostly about the Leadville Trail 100. Fatty and I are here. Enjoy this edition of the Pace Line. <laughs> Paceline, the podcast on two wheels, Patrick, Hottie, and me, Fatty. This is show number 79 of the official podcast of Red Kite Prayer, and of course, you should subscribe and rate us and review us on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Hottie, this is a super self-indulgent episode <laughs> oh, no. of the Leadville podcast. Hottie and I are sitting across from each other uh, in Leadville, Colorado, at the house that Hottie's got rented out for the week. How are you doing, Hottie? I'm doing well. We're going to do our best not to alienate Patrick throughout this entire show. Patrick, we are. <laughs> we want to apologize now before we even get this thing started because I can only imagine how this must be. I'm taking this in stride. I knew this day was coming, so. <laughs> and it comes every year. It's like Christmas, but but <laughs> strangely even more navel gazy. So, uh, that said, uh, I'm pretty excited. This is my 20th racing of the Leadville 100. God willing, I will have a 2,000-mile belt buckle by the time we record this podcast again. How, hmm. ma- how many of those have they given out? You know, I think that there are a dozen, maybe 15 uh, other folks who have done this 20 times. The race has only happened, I think, 23, 24 times, so... Uh, there aren't a lot. I, I crashed out in 2009, so this will be my 21st start. But uh, uh, any luck, 20th, uh, 20th finish. I'm not taking it for granted. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to DNF. And we'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about DNFing uh, or DNSing mm-hmm. in just a, uh, just a minute. But it has been, uh, it's been a, an intense final week of training, at least for me. Vodder's gave me what I would call a way tougher uh, final week of, uh, of training than I would have expected. Can I tell you guys what it is, what, what, I am, what my week has been like? Can we stop you? 
<laughs> you probably could. You could pull the plug, but uh, I, you know, I no, just keep talking. I, 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 know I actually am interested. I'm, I'm uh, very curious. It's, I mean, most, most racers think in terms of just doing a simple taper. The last thing that you do is uh, in the last week, there's hardly any riding at all. Here's what my week has been starting uh, last Friday. And you know, the race, you know, with the race being eight days from the from what I'm talking about. So Friday, two hours, two six minutes, uh, six minute periods at FTP and 60 RPM, and then two six minute periods at FTP and 90 RPM. The way that I did that was by uh, really taking myself to task, racing myself up the Columbine Mind climb, mm-hmm. and that pretty much got me to uh, from the base to the rough stuff at the top. Um, by, and that very nearly got me a PR, although not quite, um, because there's, you know, there was some rest periods where I was taking it very easy Saturday off rest Sunday, one and a half hours with six, six second sprints, the rest of the time, easy riding Monday, four hours, uh, three, uh, six minute periods at 80 RPMs and at my FTP, one five-minute section flat out at 100% effort, doing that on a hilly ride. I was doing course recon on that and just really going at it. The way I did that was I went up uh, St. Kevin's, which is the first you know big mile climb. I went uh, then down and then... No, wait, I'm getting it completely backwards. It was power line and then the turquoise road, the paved one, mm-hmm. and then down St. Kevin's. And so I... You know, I was using the course to implement this rough day, uh, tough day, Tuesday, real, uh, rest. And then Wednesday, uh, yesterday, five to five and a half hours at an easy to medium effort, never pushing hard. My heart rate was to never exceed 130, mainly flat ride. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did it. Uh, it was interesting to when going at, at an effort that my heart rate never went over 130 um, for that long. Uh, I mean, you're still a little bit smoked by the end of the ride. Five sure. hours is, you know, five hours feels like something no matter what. Right. That said, I didn't feel like exhausted the rest of the day. I'm not used to going that long at that low of a heart rate. So that was pretty interesting. Today... An hour, very easy. Just went around the mineral loop. Leadville has a terrific uh, bike path. I just want to say, if you ever want a tourist out in Leadville, and, and I'm sure you you've ridden this too, mm-hmm. Hottie. Yep. It a beautiful little uh, a beautiful little one hour loop that with some incredible views. And I just did that with a, a group of guys who were uh, racing with goo. So that tomorrow. I am doing one and a half hours with three six-second sprints and then one six-minute effort at FTP. Hmm. So, um, and then Saturday, race. Fodders likes the six-minute FTP, at least in the final week, doesn't he? He does, and I I, I don't know if he likes that for everyone or if he's responding to that when I email him back, I have said, you know, I really like these six-minute FTP efforts. Yeah. Uh, The... They call to me. I I, <laughs> I I I love going at that level of effort for about that duration of time. Do I like it because I've been doing it, or does it, do I do I like it because he's been having me do it? I don't know, but uh, 
it is it's a, a good it's a good effort for that period of time so yeah. who knows whether you know to what degree i'll be using that during the race itself i'm going to uh, be calling him um later today or tomorrow to ask for actual race day strategy but um that's you know that's my final week before what i hope to have a just under eight hour race plan mm-hmm. what uh how about yourself what have you been doing hottie I, I've been taking it much easier than that. Um, I have Sean, my good buddy, my training partner, Sean yeah. here, he's rooming with me. So, um, a lot of what I do is kind of help him out as well. And he likes to see certain sections of the course. We've been going much easier. Um, we did do Kevin's mm-hmm. St. Kevin's on, I think it was Tuesday because the weather was just a little iffy. We thought, okay, we can go hit that one. Yeah. What we would do is when we'd ride it, we would go ahead and, and do it at an effort we thought might be our race day effort, which is not even FTP. It shouldn't, it probably won't be near that. Um, but took plenty of rest in between. We made sure we stopped, looked around a little bit, uh, rested down, never anything sustained or long or taxing. I, and I think that's what any good trainer, Vodder, or whoever is going to make sure happens during this week, this week leading up to a big event is, yes, keep the speed going, mm-hmm. keep the muscles firing, but you should be able to recover from everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not feeling at all like tired going into into this race. Mm-hmm. Although one thing that was kind of funny is Vodders did. Uh, maybe it's not even all that funny, but I have a big crew up here. There are eight of us uh, in between. Uh, my wife is racing. My son Blake is racing. My daughter melissa is racing we'll talk more about her in just a second but so four four people from my family are racing my twins are here supporting us my wife's dad is here he is you know you know vacationing we have more family coming up and so i mean a big crew like that has inertia right and momentum and planning everything out took some time and vodders emailed me just you know before i came out here and he said it looks like you're going to be out in Leadville one week before the race. I'd really much prefer it if you would sleep at a lower altitude. <laughs> really? Yeah. He, he was like, you're being there a week before the race, you know, and th- this race starts at around 10,000 feet. He said, being out there a week before is just long enough to get you fatigued, but not long enough to give you any altitude acclimation uh-huh. effect. Uh, so I've been here exactly the wrong amount of time. Right. But with that much family around, there was no way that uh, that I was going to be able to change any of that. That's just the way it's going to be. And I feel fine. I know. And there's a mental aspect to all of this. Mm-hmm. You're trying to have a good time. Yes. It's supposed to be somewhat of a vacation, even though at the end of this vacation, one of the last days of this vacation, it's going to be something extremely difficult. Yeah. You're still trying to have a good time. So it's hard to weigh. You, it's hard to quantify in watts or in <laughs> FTP what your mental state is yep. and it's important to come up here and be with your family and take a week off and 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 enjoy this this community which is a lot of fun and i will say just the vacation part of this has been so fantastic we, yesterday we went down and uh there's a beautiful bike path that goes around dillon lake uh the twins and my 85 year old uh, father-in-law had a fantastic time doing that at a pace that was absolutely mellow a lot of fun uh, hanging around all of the funky thrift stores and art galleries that uh, my twins love that we're going to do a zip line tomorrow mm-hmm. it's just high mountain colorado is just fantastic yeah we were I, in Bre- I, it's been a month here we were in breckenridge uh, we were in breckenridge yesterday I we took Breck. up the free yeah. 
gondola ride up to the you know the ski area yeah. hung out it was great i mean it's so you you have to you have to you have to get here and get relaxed i think if you come here two days before which is i guess what vodders would prefer the i think the stress level goes up yeah suddenly your week is, gets compacted into a couple of days you're trying to get a lot done you're not taking time for a little you know mental relaxation and getting into the groove around here and instead you're rush 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 trying to get everything done ready to race and you race and boom and it's over with so yeah i think there's something to be said for the week that that maybe can't be quantified again yeah and how how well your your red blood cells are doing yeah if i had a month you bet i'd stay here for a month if uh, or you could come here and just do it as a race but as a family guy with uh, people that i you know who are excited to see me do this race on the 20th you know this 20th time the way it's been has been fantastic but there was one point i wanted to ask you about regarding your training for this race and that's what you're riding mm-hmm. you're on a rigid bike this year yeah so this Why? yeah this is going <laughs> to be my fifth trip around the leadville trail 100 i actually got in sort of by accident i was sitting at my computer <laughs> uh, just after the first of the year um actually it was on deadline day for the lottery and i was thinking uh-huh. do i want to do another leadville trail 100 what do i have to ride for and i thought well if i why don't i just enter and see what happens enter the lottery and see what happens and if i get in maybe i'll defer i'll defer to the next year mm-hmm. since i really can't make up my mind so why not so i put my name sure enough they draw my name and right. say, congratulations you're in and i thought okay i'll defer now the problem with you can defer a qualification yeah. to the next year without any issue mm-hmm. but lottery pick here if you defer a lottery pick you get, they ch- twice. You, you get charged twice yeah so as opposed to forking out what is it now four something 400 and something yeah 450 is kind of around there it's yeah so as opposed to forking out 900 dollars so i could race yeah. in 2018 i decided i'll go ahead and race this year and make it the 450. And yeah. then I sat around and thought, okay, what am I going to do to make this thing interesting? And I thought, you know, I always wondered about, I've seen people here, Patrick, who have ridden drop bar bikes. And we will probably see a couple gravel a bikes few. tomorrow. Sure. Um, I'm not quite willing to go that far. I think there's a lot of risk involved, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because you can't get big enough tires down on this very tough, rocky sections here. Yep. But... I always thought riding rigid here might be an interesting way to go um, because the course is, it's not super technical. It's yeah. rough, but it's not technical. True. And so I thought, why don't I try riding rigid? So I took my specialized stump jumper, 20 and iron, 2012 mm-hmm. rig that's already made two trips around this place. And I yanked the RockShock brain fork out of it. And I purchased an NV mountain bike fork. And inserted it and started training on it, oh, I think three months ago. So I've been riding it for th- about three months. Um, I did. I made some alterations to try and at least mitigate uh, <laughs> the impact that I was suffering because of a lack of suspension up front. For instance, I tried, uh, one of the first things I tried were grips. I, I actually put on the um, Ergon um, mountain bike marathon grips, the GS mountain bike, and they have... Yeah. The little uh, the tails on them, yeah. the little paddles on them mm-hmm. um, to try and, you know, flatten out your wrists and make things yeah. a little better through the vibrations. The problem there was I, I ended up pulling them off and putting my Enduro Ergons back on because I found that I could not clasp 
the end of the handlebars well mm-hmm. with my last three fingers. I couldn't get a nice good wrap because that wing was sticking out. Yeah, they're and not that's a problem everyone. when your front end is banging around like it does when you have a rigid <laughs> fork. So the grips were a nil. I also tried an Ergon saddle. They have a Marathon saddle. I'm, again, I'm trying to looking for a little more cush, a little mm-hmm. more give. Um, great saddle, but it just didn't really marry well with my sit bone. So I went back to uh, my Prologo that I've that I've ridden forever. Yeah. The one tires though are are something I, I have experimented with, and I think I I found uh, something that's going to work well. I mean, traditionally I have run uh, 2.0s here, hmm. um, Renegade on the back, which is actually under a 2.0, and something like a 2.0 up front. Um, and been able to go very fast. I have thrown those off the bike, and I have a I have an ardent race, a Maxis ardent race up front, two point three five. Yeah, and uh, twenty one psi is what I'm looking at. I rode twenty one psi down pipeline the other day, felt really good. Mm-hmm. And then I have a two point two Icon Maxis Icon in the rear, and again that's going to be twenty five or maybe even closer to twenty four come come Saturday. So um, those. Those are the, and oh, the final thing I did were handlebars, and I went with a trail style handlebar. So it's got hmm. a little more rise to it. I put a shorter stem on, a little more rise in the bar because of, and, and a wider bar too. So I have a little more control, a little more leverage over the, over the fork and over the, the rattle fest I'm going to go through. <laughs> and, and, Additionally, a riser bar does offer a little more give. It will flex yeah, more than a, than, a, than, a, than a flat bar. So I've made all those small, mostly the small changes I've re- that are really going to help out if, if I get any help are the, the fatter tires, more volume, more yeah. tire volume, wider bars, and bars with, with the riser on it. So those are the things I'm trying to do to, to offset what is going to be, I think, quite a day. For the triceps i am looking forward to hearing your post-race story <laughs> i've ridden it rigid as well i've ridden it as a, a rigid with gears and rigid as a you know, rigid single speed where i wanted to have a super light bike you know a 16 pound bike um and uh it wasn't bad i mean you'll be fine uh that it, it, it was different courses where rigid wrecked me um but uh, the high volume tires. I'm riding actually what you're riding up front. I'm riding uh, in both front and back. Mm. The Ardents, uh, the, the big fat Ardents, front and back. I the bigger the fatter the better, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, big fan of that. So, uh, it is a it is a nerd's race. It really is. The any any person I think doing this course would be able to tell a similar story as to what their setup is and why. Mm-hmm. We love to deep dive into what we've got here. Well, the, the silly factor of riding rigid is the fact that, that full suspension mountain bikes, Patrick, as you know, have gotten so good. They're so light. There's actually a better argument for riding full suspension oh, yeah. at the Leadville Trail 100 than there is riding a rigid or any type of drop bar bike at yep. this point. I, uh, have, you ever, have either of you ridden uh, the new Cannondale Scalpel? No, no. Oh, I I got to I got a chance to ride Blake's uh, scalpel uh, here in Leadville, and uh, with the N- NVM fifties and uh, XX one setup. I mean, he got the team version, of an expensive bike, although you get a lot for your money with that, and it was exquisite. Uh, it handled the um, it handled the fire road stuff great. It handled the downhill stuff great. He has never been faster than me downhilling. He is now much faster than me on the mm-hmm. descents. Uh, I I did some climbing with that, 
and it was it was amazing mm-hmm. it's yeah i'm yeah it, i yeah you know free advertising for cannondale at this point i guess but it's it was a fantastic bike some of the new uh, cross-country full suspension stuff out there is just incredible right and i think those of us who have been uh uh hardcore dyed in the wool uh hardtail guys for ever we're going to have to do some reevaluation well, soon. Well, Patrick, didn't you recently review the, the Scott Hardtail? Did you not? Yeah, yeah. And so, put it. Uh, give us some perspective. Then, does the Hardtail still have a place in this business of, of mountain bike racing, or are the you've also ridden the the full suspensions? Yeah. Is that is that bike still a valid bike in in today's in, in, in considering how good full suspension has gotten and light? Yeah. Well. Um... After recently riding the Specialized Epic, which is a bike I flat out used to not like at all. I, I mean, I really didn't like the Epic. Um, it just, it was, a, it was a hardtail with a shock on it. You know, it just, it didn't move much. Uh, mm. You didn't have any sense of it really uh, doing much to dampen uh, all, uh, all those shocks and whatnot. Um, but I rode it at our local dirt crits, uh, a few weeks ago and that bike did for me what, you know, those sorts of bikes should have done all along, you know, hundred millimeters front, hundred millimeters rear. I don't understand why hardtails still exist. I really it's, don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been a hardtail guy for a very long time and, uh, I, including the previous generation scalpel, which I had on loan for an entire season. I wound up, I, I was given a, a scalpel and an FSI and the op and the, and top of the line for both of them could ride either. And I always wound up riding the FSI back then that would change now. I, if I could, uh, if I could ride that new, uh, that new scalpel, I would be all over that. But one last thing. Uh, before we uh, before we go into the mid roll on this and maybe some more traditional stuff, but I mean, hey, we're in Leadville. We're going to talk about Leadville. I want to talk a little bit about my daughter Melissa, who uh, has made this race, the Leadville 100, the focus of her entire season. Oh, not uh, unlike she, you. Well, well, it, more than me by quite a bit. Oh. For example, I I have never moved to Leadville and lived here for the summer, um, I, but she has. Uh, she's been working at Periodic Brewery. Uh, shout out to Periodic Brewery, which is a fantastic place. Um, she ha- has been racing and training practically every waking hour she just took second women's overall in the leadville stage race which over three days covers essentially the same course as the leadville 100 good grief Um, yeah she has been doing just fantastic but this brings to us to a question that i think every racer who has ever contemplated who has ever dedicated themselves to one event for the whole season what happens when something goes really wrong right before the race um it was what sunday what variety monday. of going wrong are we talking uh, let me tell you it, so uh, we we're just doing a a little ride coming off the mineral mineral loop on mountain bikes um you didn't crash her out did you I did not crash her out because I cannot hang with that girl on the downhills. We were doing the paved part, and then she says, here's my favorite uh, favorite downhill 
in the area. And it's some single track. There was, I could see why it was her favorite. And there were a couple of other guys who, I mean, this was an impromptu sort of coffee shop type ride, right? Where ran into Cole Clover, Ken Clover's son. And I said, we haven't ridden together in forever. Let's get together and do it. We met, we rode. She is out there in front. And these guys that we met up with were much faster downhillers than I am. Much faster downhillers than I am. But she's super fast too. So she's leading the group. And she's not used to anyone being able to hang with her on a downhill. And so them being there, I think she got out on the edge a little bit. She was maybe a little further over over her skis than she normally would be because normally there isn't someone pressing her. Anyway, I, I wasn't there for it. I got there shortly after it happened, but she took a crash, hit uh, hit one of her quads on an embedded rock, and immediately scrambles up, asks the guys with her. She says, don't tell my mom and dad that I fell, <laughs> which is hilarious. You know, she's 21. She's an adult. It's okay. <laughs> but I, I, I do understand. I, I am the same way. When I crash and I'm hurt, my first reaction is, oh, I hope no one saw that. <laughs> oh, also, I have a broken bone, but <laughs> I hope no one saw that. Don't tell the hammer. <laughs> don't tell the hammer. <laughs> but, so, she, so she is standing there. By the time I get there and Lisa gets there, um, there's no evidence, right? It's been the perfect crime, except for, you know, the whole group is gathering together and it becomes clear, you know, I, I'm standing by Melissa by chance and just looking at her, I slowly become aware. I'm like, there's a little blood on her knee and her kit is, uh, you know, kind of not shredded, but definitely you can tell that she's gone down. By the time we say, okay, let's start again, she sort of breaks down and she says, I can't, I can't ride. And I can't, and she tries to get off her bike. She can't even walk. Oh my gosh. She is hurting that bad. And, you know, so she sort of, she tries to walk it off a little bit, but in the end, she just kind of has to coast downhill and we pick her up in a parking lot and by the end of the day, uh, she is just, she's not walking at all. And she is suffering and not just in her leg, in her head, right? She's focused on this race for for months and months, right? She's been racing even before she got to Leadville. This has been the center of her of her waking thoughts. Mm-hmm. I know, and I, I understand and appreciate that as someone who tends to obsess over races as well. She's doing better now. I mean, she's she's spinning a little bit uh, when she walks. It's still with a pronounced limp, but not as bad. She's young. She'll heal fast. She still has, what, 36 hours before the race. She might be okay. She might be fine. But chances are with all the walking that you got to do in this race, you know, there are a couple of places, Columbine, Powerline, where you got to get off and you got to push your bike uphill. It's not going to be as easy for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you guys ever had something like that happen where you have basically put everything into a single event and then either real close to, or even during that event, had it scramble, have it go pear shaped on you like that? And if so, how do you cope? (laughs) Um, I I've seen it happen before. And in fact, I've seen it happen here before Uh, a buddy of mine, a uh, teammate of mine moved up here, just like Melissa, moved up here, was living up here for um, a good part of two months, 
training at altitude. He had already broken eight hours, but he mm-hmm. really wanted to get, I think, below 7.30 somewhere. Yeah, he wanted to race with the, with yeah. the, real, the big boys. He yeah. was trying to go with the, with the top group and see how far he could hang. And um, he already had uh, a corral position. He was gold, mm-hmm. but he entered the Silver Rush 50. And Which is a more technical race than the uh, than the hundred. It's not just a shorter version of the hundred. It's a more technical, rockier, steeper race. And and like Melissa, he loves to go downhill, and he is very good at it. But mm-hmm. he rides aggressively. And sure enough, uh, during one of the downhill sections at the Silver Rush, he suddenly found himself flying Superman style oh, over boy. his bars, and then planted his chest into a rock bed. Oh. Um. Bruised ribs, uh, cracked ribs, in fact. So Ooh. he was damaged goods. Yeah, he was hurt bad. Those things are very hard to heal. Mm-hmm. There, he, had, he had plenty of time. Um, in fact, he showed up at, at the Tahoe qualifier where we all were trying to get into Leadville as well. Had plans to race it, but he pulled out smartly. Yeah. Um, did end up lining it up for the Trail 100. I think this is 2014. I came up to crew that year um, and did line up and made it out to Twin Lakes. Um, and actually, his ribs, although they, they were hurting him, really weren't his downfall. What happened to him was he got a flat coming out mm. um, towards Pipeline and was wrestling with the wheel so much um, that he hurt himself again. Uh, <laughs> he hurt his chest again trying to just fix his flat. Oh. Otherwise, he was actually pretty good. And when he got to me at Twin Lakes, I, you know, I held his bike for a while and tried to get him back on, but he did pull the plug eventually. But, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that can... That that can happen. Um, I, I hope she still lines it up and gives it a go. I'm sure she will. I hope so. And, and something, yeah, you know, you never know. Race day, uh, things can take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, she's young, and it, it's amazing how much faster a kid will hilf than, than us old guys, right? And she, yeah. Uh, she's tough in the first place. So she'll I, – I sus- I'm sure she'll line up for the race. I suspect that she'll still do well. I think there will be a question mark and some unfinished business that she's probably going to come back to next year for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How about you, Patrick? You ever have something uh, uh, scupper a an important event for you right before? I I've gotten sick and missed races, but I don't think I've gone down and had that. You know. Uh, redo my plans or take me out of a race. I don't recall anything quite like that. Um, I've been way, way too fortunate uh, in terms of not crashing through my cycling life. Um, Knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For all of us. I certainly don't want to top the one that that is my topper, but um, I, you know. Oh, yeah. I've... uh, I've got a lot of friends who've crashed a lot more than I have, so I'm I'm just going to shut up and be happy. Well, I'm a I'm a timid descender, and as a result, well, I'm certainly not immune to crashing. Uh, as in 2009, I crashed out. Uh, that had more to do with where my head was than where my body was. But um, man, uh, this it, this is not the first time, even in our family, that uh, that this race has sort of gone has you know had problems. Blake a few years ago. Um, in just a local little nothing of a race one week before Leadville 100, um, he did an endo and went down, broke his collarbone, you know, so he, you know, he, he didn't even get to line up. Mm. So, I mean, stuff happens. It's, you race, you fall. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it happens right before the race. And, you know, that's why, you know, a certain percentage of people don't show up. <sighs> on, you know, on, on oh, to more uh, more nice things. Nice things? Yeah, nice well, you know, things. Well, actually, I thought we couldn't maybe... have nice things. 
<laughs> Melissa might be interested in this because there are a, a plenty of other races in this area right. uh, this time of year that are maybe even harder than the... I found one that could be harder than the Leadville Trail 100. Oh, good. Uh, it is the Vapor Trail 125 in Oy. Salida. Mark this down, Melissa. September 9th to the 10th. Uh, this grueling, I'm going to read, this is right from one of the local rags, the cycling guide, I think here for Buena Vista, Leadville, Fairplay, Bailey areas. Uh, this grueling endurance race is touted as it's hard, it's majestic, it's all night and much of the next day. Riders begin at 10 at night and continue through the next day, crossing the continental divide multiple times for a total of 125 miles and 20,000 feet of climbing Though uh, some of the most remote and through that is some of the most remote and rugged terrain of any mountain bike race in the world, and is what slide is what an hour south of here maybe. There you go. Why yeah. not? All right. right. And Patrick, I think I may have found something for you. I know that your, you know, altitude is you don't have a great relationship with it, but I think I, I think I found something up here in this area that that you might be willing to knock out, and it is the Monarch Crest Enduro. Also in Salida, at the it's at the end of September, uh, put on by, I love the name of this, chocolatebunnyproductions.com. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Perfect, right? That's the Monarch Chris Enduro is a backcountry enduro, five stages, 14,000 feet of timed descending. All five stages start above 10,200 feet, with stage three starting at 12,600. Shuttles, shuttles, Patrick, take racers from Salida to each stage, to the top of each downhill section. Wow. Get yeah. your fill of racing, no matter what uh, what your poison is. And, uh, on that list, we should also definitely put the Breck Epic, right? Yes. That for 2018, Lisa and I are talking about that. That we want to go back and do that race again. And Breckenridge has a 100 too. They have a yeah. they have a hundred miler that's very difficult. It takes you know probably a lot longer than the Leadville Trail 100, more single track. So there there are other things to do. Oh, lots more to do. Man, I love this place. Ah, I got to visit here again. Uh, come on over come on over patrick we, we, I, we can do this we can do this uh podcast uh all three of us together you know i wouldn't mind doing that enduro not that i've raced enduros before but that does sound like a pretty darn good time it does it i just does. need to get the uh marin wolf rich though <laughs> and this is a darn good reason to get it yes all right we're we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor and when we come back we're going to talk about rafa and the selling thereof Patrick's been thinking a lot about this one. That's next on the pace line. We've been talking about Health IQ and how they are helping people to source better rates on life insurance. Recently, they updated their site with new insurers and the ability to serve more people. They've got special rates for cyclists, of course, and runners and triathletes, but also vegans and other health conscious people now. We've mentioned they have quizzes, and these aren't just for fun. If you score elite on a quiz for a specific lifestyle, that can earn you a further discount on your life insurance. 
They've also replaced BMI with waist to hip ratio, which is a far better predictor of cardiovascular disease when it comes to athletes. Additionally, they replaced the LDL to HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for people on low carb or paleo diets because that's a better predictor of cholesterol health. Amazingly, they will not take into account one incidence in a family history if you are otherwise healthy. It's like a get out of jail card. In other words, if one person in your family has had cancer or diabetes, they won't ding you for it. Finally, they can also get better rates for those with runner's heart or hypertension. Check them out at healthiq.com slash paceline. And the pace line is back. Hottie, Patrick, and me, Fatty. Let's talk about Rafa. Patrick, you get to take a pull on this one. <laughs> well, so we've known that Rafa was up for sale. Um, you know, they were being looked at by uh, Louis Vuitton Group, which owns Pinarello. Um, and, you know, it's uh, all sorts of wineries, uh, Mont and Chandon, um, some of the big Bordeaux houses. I mean, this is a luxury group to end all luxury groups. And we thought, wow, they buy them, they have Pinarello, that's gonna be a pretty impressive thing. They passed. And so then it was like, oh, okay, well, they're still up for sale, what's gonna happen? And and then all of a sudden, uh, it's announced that RZC Investments uh, purchased Rafa. And this is a, this is a, a new company, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, owned by two of the heirs of Sam Walton of Walmart fame. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's caused quite a, quite a bit of consternation within the cycling community. Um, they are said to have paid more than $200 million, uh, for the brand. And uh, it's, you know, it's just an astounding number uh, for, you know, a relatively young brand. Um, you know, there are, there are probably not a whole lot of brands in the bike biz that could bring that right now. Um, but uh, I've, um, well, I'll just say that in social media, I've detected um, a lot of what I think are fairly extreme reactions to it. A lot of people who haven't been uh, favorable to, uh, you know, two of the Walton family members uh, purchasing this brand. And, you know, I had to, I had to give some thought to this myself when I went out to Bentonville and start riding the single track there. And I was in Arkansas to visit Allied and I figured, well, if I'm in Arkansas, I should make the trip to Bentonville and see what's going on up there because people really have been talking a lot about the single track that's been built there. Well, all that single track has been built by the Walton Family Foundation at the direction of Tom Walton, who's one of the two members of RZC, the other member being uh, his brother, Stuart. And, you know, I wondered, it's like, well, how should we feel about trails built by Walmart? And that's really the wrong way to phrase the question because Walmart's not paying for this. Sure, this money comes from profits that the Walton family has realized, thanks to Walmart, but, you know, this money is earned, uh, or at least collected. And 
they're they're in a position where they could spend this money on anything. Okay, as I mentioned in my post, it they could be going for hookers and blow. They could have taken up golf. Uh, they could be fly fishermen. They, you know, whatever. Um, they could actually do all of those things. Yeah. They've got enough. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And you know, we happen to have the good fortune that you know. Two of the richest people under 40 in the United States are fans of cycling. And somehow we want to be upset about that. And that's the part that I just can't wrap my head around. You know, once I once I really thought this through and realized, well, yeah, this isn't Walmart doing this. You know, these are, are two people who are attempting to forge their own path. You know, they've, yes, they've had the good fortune to be Walton family members and you know, have all this money to work with. But I think they deserve a lot of credit for taking an interest in cycling and really stepping up and doing some interesting things. Bentonville is now a world-class mountain biking destination in a way it would never have been otherwise. You know, among the many things that they've built uh, in and around the, the trail system in Bentonville is a dedicated Nika race course, okay? Every time that that part of Arkansas needs to host a NICA race for the foreseeable future, they'll have some place where, you know, it's possible to run, you know, five, six, seven hundred kids over a race course over a weekend. You know, it's designed according to the NICA guidelines. So this is a perfect race course, not something sort of makeshifty that they'll just have to do with for the weekend. And, you know, beyond that, uh, as I mentioned uh, right after my trip out there, there's a middle school uh, just, you know, just right in town that sits back off of a main thoroughfare and the stand of trees between the school and the road features a pump track in there. Middle schoolers get out of school and can go ride a pump track. And that is entirely thanks to Tom Walton. And so when we start thinking about, you know, Whatever our feelings are regarding uh, Walmart, I think it's I think we have a duty to consider these people in their own light. You know, the Walton brothers are forging their own course, and they're they're doing something pretty significant for cycling. And I think the purchase of Rafa, you know, <laughs> with such a price tag, uh, people close to them didn't even know this purchase was coming. Just suddenly like 24 hours before the announcement was made, a few people in their inner circle found out and, you know, 200 million, what? Um, and so I think it's a big signal. This is a, you know, sort of a cannonball that we're going to be in cycling and we're going to do it in a big way. And anybody who alienates them this early in, I think is, you know, probably doing so in an unwise fashion. So, I I want to for myself. I I I would set aside the whole ethical question of Walmart money buying Rafa and versus you know Walmart money helping out the town of Bentonville and putting in some fantastic track and other things. The thing that I worry about as a person who has four pair of Rafa bib shorts because I love their gear is I worry about the Walmartization of Rafa. It has nothing to do with ethics. I worry that in the same way that 
you know, Walmart, you know, forces people, forces companies to make cheaper versions of their products in order to get into their stores. I want to, as a Rafa lover, make sure that my, the next pair of Rafa bibs I buy aren't, you know, you know, aren't cheaper and less well-made because they need to hit a price point that some really savvy business guys are thinking is going to be, make the company more successful. Certainly. And, you know, that's been one of the ongoing concerns that, you know, has been percolating up through the community that, you know, oh, now you're going to see Rafa in Walmart. Now it's all going to be made in China. Actually, a lot of it's already made in China. Uh, but the bigger issue being that, you know, yeah, people are, are afraid that this is going to cause an erosion in quality and that, you know, this brand that we've come to uh, come to love and respect in terms of, you know, fit, finish, and quality uh, will will take a dive as a result. And I think we have a fair answer to that already in that RZC Investments is also a shareholder and allied cycle works. And, you know, the bike that I've got from them, uh, the Alpha All Road, is as fine a bicycle as I've ridden by anybody in terms of carbon fiber manufacturing. I, you know, I'd put it right up there against anything else I've ridden. And, you know, I think, yeah, I think that's a a pretty great indicator of what direction they're going. Um, I've been told that, you know, as they look at people, uh, as they look at companies for purchase, they're looking for strong leaders. Um, They, you know, they want people uh, or, or organizations that are, sort of um, indispensable to that category, that if they were missing, people would miss them. And I think that suggests that they really want to keep the quality of Rafa constant. Yeah. And I I, think they also are are savvy enough to know that if suddenly the most expensive pair of bibs from Rafa was 80 bucks and, you know, fit like a flag, uh, I think they know that they'd take a real hit in their reputation pretty instantly is this is the criticism you're, you're seeing and hearing patrick simply the idea you know okay i, I sort of get it. it's like of all the people who are going to buy rafa and we i guess we hold these brands very close to us is that is that the problem or are we just saying oh really walmart does it have to be walmart i mean it's got to be somebody <laughs> and now there's another part of me that says look this is uh, capitalism. This is, these are companies buying companies. Mm-hmm. This goes on all the time. It's just the way it works sometimes. Look, Justin's Nut Butter, right? Yeah. What sounds more organic and fresh <laughs> and delicious and small and made and sold in farmer's market than Justin's? You know who owns Justin's? Hormel. <laughs> Hormel owns them. But Hormel is a company that said, look, we understand that our name may not help your brand. We like your brand. We want to own your brand, but we are going to, and and Justin himself told me this, Hormel on purpose is, while they have infused money into Justin's, they have purposely stayed away from its operation, Hmm. from any publicity about owning that brand, because they know how the two, how, how it can get a little mixed up at times. And I guess that's what this is coming down to, Patrick, that Big Walmart, who has a reputation of treating employees not so great all the time and doing things heavy-handedly, is now taking over this small brand and is going to just somehow 
Uh, well, scar it. And it, not so much of that from my perspective as that Walmart has a reputation for making cheap stuff and for making stuff that buy, uh, that even sold this by the same company. You, know, you buy a pair of Levi's in Walmart, you're going to get a worse pair of pants than if you buy a pair of Levi's elsewhere because they have to, if you buy Levi's at Walmart, are made cheaper so that they can hit the price point. Hmm. Right, and you can make anything cheaper. I just want to make sure that Ra- that there is no cheaper, worse Rafa. Right, that there is not something that has a Rafa name mm. that is a bad pair of shorts. I trust them right now. I don't want to stop trusting them. Based on what I know of their dealings with Allied and the sorts of things that Tony Carklins has told me uh, about, you know, the guidance that he gets from his board. I'm going to go out on a limb and answer a question that I'm not really in a position to answer and say, you know, I, I believe that these guys want to keep the quality of Rafa constant. They want to keep the distribution constant. They, you know, they must have something in mind for how they can bring something to the table and allow Rafa to do more of what it does. But you know, these guys don't work for Walmart and haven't, yeah. to my knowledge. And so, you know, I get that when when the media plays this for a cheap clickbait headline of Walmart buys Rafa, and I saw that out there, um, you know, I, I can understand a, a knee-jerk reaction of people thinking, oh, well, there there goes the neighborhood, you know. <laughs> but that's um, that's not the case. Walmart did not buy Rafa, you know this. Um, and I've I've seen people say, well, you know, it makes sense for them to diversify and blah blah. It's like no, this isn't even a subsidiary of Rafa. You know, these are two members of the family with a wholly different company that made that purchase. Um, yeah. And you know, word on the street is that they're looking for more brands to buy. Awesome. Well, yeah. K-Sign's for sale. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we could use a cash infusion, yeah. guys. <laughs> We're super premium podcast and uh, $9 cheap. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Nine bucks. $9 each. That won't get the three of us. Oh, well, that might get the three of us through Taco Bell, but not much. Not much <laughs> else. <laughs> Dude, I for one could stand a Del Taco fish taco right now Mm. Mm. okay how did i get there i apologize (laughs) i'm just (laughs) i'm hungry man i'm always hungry 157 pound fatty wants to eat tell you what let's move on to news okay (laughs) (laughs) let's uh so the demise of press camp uh wow uh that's kind of a shocker there isn't it patrick oh my gosh i i'm i'm gutted over this one this is Easily the best event that I go to every year as a member of the press. And yeah, just yesterday it was announced that press camp is coming to an end. And the thing for me is it really is a surprise because the the event was just sold 18 months ago uh, to another trade show organization, ECRM. 
And so we thought, oh, wow. Well, you know, unfortunate for Lance, uh, Lance Kamasaska, uh, the organizer, unfortunate for him that he needed to sell it. But, you know, it seemed like the sort of move that would ensure the future success, you know, of that event. And, you know, I, I get that our reader, our listeners, you know, don't really give, you know, two winks about this press event, but it was really significant for me and the coverage in RKP every year in terms of giving me face to face access with a number of brands that really don't have the horsepower uh, to get in front of me and a bunch of my colleagues either. So it gave a solid time with them. Uh, it was a really well done event. You know, a lot of a lot of time with great brands that you know we're certainly presenting interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's come to an end, and I am just so bummed about that. You know, so hopefully you know something else will will come up so that we can to get uh, continue to get that interaction. But uh, you know, it's like man, Interbike has not been has not been our our best ally in that regard be honest you just like it because of the free alcohol uh actually i I didn't tend to drink a lot there because we were at altitude (laughs) oh sure (laughs) Um, so next up a few other things that have been happening with uh some of the old guys from u.s postal service uh and colorado first off uh, Lance Armstrong and his very popular and successful Stages podcast had a marketing arrangement for the Colorado Classic, which then got pulled. And I think that's kind of, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit saddened by that. Um, it's, whether you like Armstrong or not, and you know, we've had that conversation, and it, whether you like his podcast or not, the fact is, he put together a podcast that a lot of people did like, and it wasn't, um, you know, should should he not be able to market, uh, have a marketing arrangement for that? I don't know. To me, I, I would have been perfectly happy to have him have well, a marketing arrangement with a cycling, uh, w- with this race that helped promote the race and make the race more mm-hmm. successful. The podcast is going on. I mean, he's still going to yes. do the shows. He just cannot be supported by the Colorado Classic. They were going to pick up some of his tab so he could be at each stage, do the podcast from there. Mm -hmm. In return, you know, obviously the Classic gets great publicity because Stages has become a very popular podcast. The download numbers are quite, quite good. They're astonishing. Um, But in between all this is, of course, Armstrong's suspension and the fact that he cannot be associated financially with any type of racing, whether he be a racer or covering the race himself yeah i mean i suppose he could have pulled the airstream up somewhere near the race and still done the show that way but again he could not have accepted any money from the classic to do those shows Mm -hmm. and And, that's the rub and and you know maybe he still is going to or even is i you know from right now i got my own fish to fry and so i haven't been checking to see if there are new episodes of the stages Mm -hmm. podcast but it's the the fact is it's an extremely accessible popular podcast that helped promote that would help promote a race that could use some promotion. Um, I, if he gets a few bucks for that, I think that's great. 
Um, I just want to see races do well. And all I want to make sure is I don't care how bad of a guy you think he is. He still has a First Amendment right. He has a right to do a podcast just like we have a right to do a podcast. Yep. As long as no one's violating that right, I'm cool. Um, I'll let the I'll let USADA and the Colorado Classic and the fans of, of his show. And I am one too. I mean, I listen to the show too, you know, kind of hash out. Yeah. whether or not he should be financially supported by that race to do that. So, so but, you, you know who uh, who else thinks that it is dumb that he that Armstrong cannot be have an official arrangement with the Colorado Classic? Floyd Landis. Um, so he, <laughs> uh, Floyd and I were at Periodic Brewery. Uh, just you know, he he's there from time to time, yeah. and he and Dave Zabriskie and I were talking about a number of things, including. Uh, Armstrong's podcast and uh, Floyd is very strongly in favor of letting him do that. Uh, mm-hmm. He's like, you know, what is it hurting? Um, and he also told me in uh, fairly uh, in fairly certain terms that he would not be racing the Leadville 100 and that neither would Dave Zabriskie. And then the next morning he got a text <laughs> from him saying, hey, we thought about it some more after talking last night and have decided we're going to go ahead and race the Leadville 100. Um, that I, I, I thought that's interesting and cool. And also, uh, it's not something that I would do that off the cuff. Maybe he isn't doing it off the cuff, but Floyd has, has lost at least 25 pounds okay. since the last, since when I saw him about this time last year. Yeah. Um, he, he looks a lot fitter. He looks a lot thinner and my guess is there's, uh, you know, he might be might be doing a little bit of possum playing uh, when he was saying, "Oh, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it. I'm too tired." And uh, and Zabriskie, you know, he he's been doing some of the big races, like the, the you know the Rockwell or Vision Relay that I'm a big fan of. He, uh, he Tusher, did the, he did the Tusher, mm-hmm. and after those two things, he said that he had walking pneumonia and he is not doing great. Mm-hmm. And he he said, "Yeah, I'm 90 percent out," but. I don't know. Maybe the two of them are riding it together. I, I don't know. I don't know. But they said we're riding it as if they're, you know, riding it together. I'll be interested to see. Well, they're in business together. They True. are in business. With they own Floyd's Floyd's Leadville. Leadville. And yeah. they have something to market. I mm-hmm. mean, they have something to sell. Certainly, they it won't hurt them. We're talking about them right now. Yep. Floyd's of Leadville has their product out right now. It just got launched this week. It's getting some press. So, I mean, there's that too, obviously. Sure. I, they probably saw an opportunity to say, hey, look, I mean, we got to get our names out there and do our thing. And and being involved in racing and being around race. Because the product itself too is, a lot of it is about injury and dealing with injuries and pain management. Um, and there'll be a lot of that here at the Leadville Trail 100. <laughs> well, I'll be managing our We'll look pain. forward to seeing them. That'll be fun. It will. I, I'll be interested to see how he does. I, I saw on a cycling news article about uh, that uh, them doing it that I guess they pressed him to name a time, pressed Floyd to name a time, a, a hope for finishing time. And he says, oh, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to do that. And eventually gave the time nine hours. And I, I'm going to be super interested to see. Yeah. I, hadn't, I actually hadn't thought about what his finish time might be. Hmm. But nine hours... Um, I don't know. Is 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 that he's still in pain, right? He still has hip pain. He still has hip pain, and he has not been riding a lot. At least that's what he says. Nine hours is not a small. You know, that's not an easy time. Mm -mm. However, I understand that he has some natural ability with riding a bicycle. I might be okay. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think, Patrick? 
Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, the one thing I want to say about the, the Stages podcast is, you know, for anyone who's ever had strong feelings about, you know, what sort of sanctions athletes should receive, you know, if you if you think that athletes should receive sanctions and that they should be firm, you know, then we need to be consistent about that. And those same applications of sanctions need to apply to Armstrong in the same sort of way. So mm-hmm. any, any interest in going easy on, on Armstrong for this purpose uh, would signal that, you know, well, then we ought to be, if we're going to be fair about this, then we ought to be going easy on other dopers when they are sanctioned. And, you know, there's no solving doping. There, it's just, we're never going to sort this out in terms of a way that, you know, will ultimately lead to a completely clean sport. But if we want the sport to be on the cleaner side, we need to give some thought to what sort of sanctions we give and how, uh, how we administer them. Uh, yeah. So, and, and I agree completely with that. It, it's, and I would underscore the, we need to think about what sort of sanctions we give, uh, give dopers in particular. I, I never want to see Armstrong necessarily line up for any race again. And I think that, that that's pretty well agreed upon. I don't, however, think that him being able to market a podcast should be a part of that sanction. So that I I guess though that is that is what was what the sanction was and you're right. It should be it should be applied fairly and consistently and if that was the, what was set up, I guess that needs to be the way that it remains. It just seems to me like this is, you know, th- this is a sanctioning that doesn't have much if anything to do with cleaning up the sport or having fairer, faster, better racing. Um, I, I don't know. It, it. You know, I, I get your point. The one thing that I'll say is that, you know, once I read, uh, uh, you know, Tyler Hamilton's book and then some of the other books, Cycle of Lies, you know, I had for a very long time thought that Armstrong was, you know, just another doper. Okay. You know, implicitly coerced like everyone else. And what came out in The Secret Race and Cycle of Lies, and there, there was another one that was really uh, an eye-opener that I'm forgetting right now, they showed that behind the scenes, he wasn't just another rider. And my concern about him being in and around racing again is how he conducts himself out of the public eye and the sorts of... Uh, the, the level of influence that he can have and the sorts of ways that he uses that influence, uh, the part, you know, the, the iceberg that's below the water. And that's why I think USADA elected to go for the lifetime ban. And, you know, they, it wasn't a capricious thing. And, you know, again, he's somebody who could have helped us all quite a lot and chose not to. Um, so, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to drone on about this, but you know, so far as I'm so far as I'm done, uh, so far as I'm concerned, I'm done with Armstrong. You know, uh, 
he he was and a big yet significant. We managed to talk about him in the last three episodes of this <laughs> podcast. That's my fault. I because okay. I'm interested in podcasting. And, but on and, uh, Armstrong's podcast. So. But on to to Floyd um, and Zabriskie. I'm really excited for those guys. You know, I'm somebody who is experiencing nerve pain. Um, right now on my desk, I've got, uh, I've got a cream with lidocaine in it and I've got another cream, uh, with CBD, uh, which is one of the compounds from Mm -hmm. cannabis. And so I'm, I'm really interested, genuinely interested to talk to Floyd about his experience about the product line. You know, this is something that I can endorse wholeheartedly. I'm really interested in, in this as a, um, uh, this enterprise as uh, a therapeutic uh, avenue. And so, you know, this is something where I, I feel very, very differently. And I, I get why Floyd would be okay with Lance, you know, having the podcast. Um, yeah. Personally, I'd be way more interested in listening to Floyd every week. Well, let's see what we can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm game. Yeah. All right. Did you want to do a quick follow-up on the road diet? Uh, yeah, in fact, I have. Uh, I'm going to try to lighten things up here, guys, sure. a little bit in our news segment. So let's end <laughs> with some kicker stories here from Leadville. Uh, I've been researching here in Leadville. I have a copy of the Herald Democrat, Democrat out of Leadville, Colorado. This is their. I don't know how often this paper comes up. Well, it's got Thursday, August third on it. So I think maybe it might it's be a, a daily. Is it a daily? It may That's be awesome. A... Uh, one of the main uh, stories in the Herald Democrat is the fact that. You know, August 21st is the eclipse, and here in Leadville, they're going to get a pretty good look at it. Hmm. What's, uh, it's going to reach a, a 91% by 1144 in the morning here in Leadville. So big news here in Leadville. Also big news here in Leadville, and not in the paper. I had to get this on, on the gossip side of things from one of my <laughs> contacts here in Leadville, and I have many, as you know. Uh, Leadville, and this is a topic we've talked about on the pace line, Leadville is on a road diet. Harrison Avenue, the main drag in Leadville has been reduced from two lanes in each direction to one lane in each direction. And a bike lane has been added, a well-striped bike lane going in both directions. And then a center lane for turning Mm -hmm. has been added as well. And this has caused some division here in our fine city (laughs) of Leadville, as it did in Los Angeles. I mean, and we talked about, well, in smaller areas, smaller downtown corridors, it can work. And that's what we have here um, in L.A. on a main drag on a thoroughfare. Clearly, it didn't work. And that's why it's being reversed on a street called Vista Del Mar. But controversy is controversy. It, it roams where it wants to. And here in the High Rockies, a road diet simply is not going over very, very well. There are folks here who are complaining. They're having to walk farther to get to businesses. Um, that the crossing the street is more of a predicament here, that parking is more difficult here. Of course, there's other folks on the other side saying, hey, I love it. I love the fact that the, the cyclists now have a spot to ride. Mm-hmm. I'm able to get up and down Harrison. Harrison, how long's this street, anyhow? Mm-hmm. Half a mile? Yeah. <laughs> so half, I will put a picture of the road, the downtown Leadville road diet. It's part of the post for, for this episode of the Pace Line. So road diet comes to Leadville. And as well, this one's going to upset you, Patrick, I think, in a major way. Headline here in the Herald Democrat, no skateboarding on Harrison or on in Harrison bike lanes. The bike lanes on Harrison Avenue are reserved for bicycles, electrically assisted bicycles, and low-powered scooters. Skateboards are not permitted on them, according to a news release from the Leadville Police Department. 
Leadville Municipal, uh, Leadville Municipal Code specifically prohibits skates and skateboards on Harrison Avenue as bicycle lanes are officially designated as part of the roadway. So they're cracking down on these skateboarders here. And there's a skateboard shop, too, here in Leadville. I, I found it the other day. A lot of frowning faces over there. So. Oh, I'm sure. Skateboarders out of the, out of, off the streets here I, in Leadville. I do know that Leadville has a, a very well-known, very famous skateboarding park. Does it? A very well-constructed, well-made, highly regarded skateboarding park. So, yeah, they do still got a place to ride. Good. Yeah. Just, not on, just not on Harrison. Just not on Harrison. All right. I'm not even going to weigh in on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, what should our listeners be checking out over on RKP right now? Uh, well, we'll include links to the two pieces about Rafa and the sale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first is about the sale itself. And the second, uh, I called uh, rather leadingly the sins of the father. And uh, I've pretty well held on to the third rail for the last 24 hours with that one. I've been called a bigot, an imbecile, um, and those are the people who liked Walmart. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's that's maybe the biggest, but, uh, you know, we've got a few other goodies, and we'll in- include some links there. Um, yeah. And how do you ha- uh, have uh, something to tease us with on the Open UP? Yeah, so there's a piece up now on Red Kite Prayer. I wrote about the Open UP uh, for Unbeaten Path. Um, that is a, uh, an adventure bike, um, mm-hmm. one that I've always wanted to ride and I did, and I wrote about it and yeah, there's a bike review in there, but more than that, there's a story about a Genesis of a bike company, how a guy who was at the top of his game in designing bikes and designing for the fastest guys on two wheels decided to start all over and, and do something new and different and something close to his heart. That man is Gerard Vrooman. And good news for Paceliners, we're going to have a audio interview with Gerard that we're going to air on this show in an upcoming episode. Awesome. So go check out the review on RKP. And coming up, well, you're going to hear from the man himself, Gerard Vrooman. Yep, and lots of cool photos right now there. Let's go on to the Paceline Picks, where we get to talk about something we each want to talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our picks are usually bike-related, and this time for me, it's incredibly self-indulgently. Once again, Leadville-related. I'm going to go first. High Mountain Pies, a great pizza place here. Uh, Hottie and Mrs. Hottie, are, I think you're going to second me on this one. Mm-hmm. If you come during the summer, call ahead. That way you can get your pizza in a timely manner. But I'm going to in particular recommend, and I don't think this is an on-menu item, uh, it is called the Crocodile. Jalapenos, barbecue sauce, bacon, and much, much more. Mm-hmm. It is a good pizza. Mm-hmm. And I, my wife loves the, I, I, I can't even remember. The, there's a meat pizza, the, every kind of pizza that you might like. The, uh, but just great pizza all around. You going to mm-hmm. second me on this one, honey? Uh, absolutely. We. I don't know why we'd never been there before, but... I finally decided, I gave him, Mrs. Hottie said, let's get pizza. I said, okay, fine, we'll get pizza. We went over there. We actually, we didn't, we didn't call in first. We stood hmm. in line in, in 15 minutes. They had a pizza Pretty for fast, us. Then. And we custom ordered ours. We went with a uh, very California kale, <laughs> sun-dried tomatoes, red nice. onions, thin yeah. crust, but delicious. Brought it back right here at this table where we're sitting right now and devoured it. Oh, uh, so maybe it's if you're ordering like four large pizzas, like for my big crew, right. then calling ahead might make some sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, high mountain pies. If you're going to be in Leadville, you do not want to miss the place. Patrick, you're up next. Well, remember how a couple of weeks ago I talked about how my cargo bike got stolen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, well, good news. Uh, I managed to settle with my insurance company and I sold my recovered uh, old spicy curry and I've bought the new one. And in the years since I bought mine, Yuba has made a few changes on it and a bike that I already loved, I now love just a little bit more. So uh, the one thing that I, I, I don't want to say I rude, but the one thing I knew I kind of liked better was the, the Bosch motor rather than the Curry Tech motor that was on my uh, spicy curry. Well, Yuba has switched over to Bosch uh, for their mm. motors and it's a, it's a little quieter. The bigger thing is it's a little more immediate in terms of application of power and it's maybe just a hair smoother. Um, it doesn't, it won't go up to 28 miles an hour like the old motor. Not that I ever got it up that high, but <laughs> because it'll only go a maximum of 20 miles an hour, I tend to find myself just sticking it on turbo and getting up to 20 for as quickly as possible and just riding at that pace everywhere. Um, but also uh, the, the drivetrain was eight speeds and now it's 10 speeds. Um, so I've got a little bit more range to work with. And the old Tektro uh, hydraulic discs have been replaced with Shimano uh, disc brakes. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting yeah. basically all the fittings back on. I still have to wait for the bread basket so that I can go get groceries with it. But, man, it's just such a lovely thing. I, I'm not in my car much anymore, and I'm so happy about it. Oh, a happy ending then for this kind of rotten start. Uh, awesome to hear. Bring us on home, Hottie. All right. There's a lot of things I love about coming to Leadville. The scenery, the people, the challenge of boiling water at altitude. <laughs> and as Fatty and I described last week, packing for this week is almost like moving here. The reason? There's just not a lot of services and infrastructure around these parts. If you want it, you better bring it. <laughs> and once all your stuff and you are here, chances are you will need to move it around. Whether that be on a day trip to a local trail or on race day to the feed zone. Just like the bike you choose, a vehicle with some cargo capacity is yet another key to a successful week at Leadville. The first time I came here to race, the wife and I rented a Jeep SUV. I remember driving it up I-70 and sensing that our rental had seen its better days. When we arrived in Leadville, I noticed that the tires were nearly bald. Bad idea in a town where you most certainly will be driving on unpaved surfaces, <laughs> but somehow we survived that week. The second time we came up for the event, we got a Ford Explorer, another SUV that was comfy, but uh, lacked the space needed to transfer gear efficiently. The third time I came here for the race was to crew. I arrived in Denver late on Thursday night before the race. Since I was not racing and didn't, I didn't have much gear, so I reserved a sedan. Okay, whatever. When I checked <laughs> in at Enterprise, the agent informed me that they'd run out of sedans. And before I could utter the famous Seinfeld line, so you know how to take the reservation, you just don't know how to hold the reservation. The agent told me I could pick from whatever I wanted remaining in their lot. I shuddered at the thought. Would it be a subcompact with barely enough power to climb out of Denver? Maybe a minivan. Oh, not a minivan. Or maybe that Jeep with the bald tires. We walked out to the lot. It was dark, but I closed my eyes. Anyhow, and hoped for the best. When I opened them... I immediately focused on a decent-looking sports utility vehicle. I was ready just to go with that when on the back row I noticed something that really caught my eye. What about that, I asked as I pointed to a white Dodge Ram 4x4 crew cab 3 quarter ton pickup. 
I was expecting to hear that it was being held for some construction type in town for a special project. But then the agent surprised me and said, the Dodge? Sure. I immediately came to life. <laughs> Minutes later, I was sitting high and mighty and pulling out of that lot with a V8 engine roaring as I pointed that Ram chrome grill westbound on the I-70 headed for the high country. I should say that pickups do have a special place in my heart. My grandfather always had one. And since grandpa was the coolest guy on earth, then the pickup was the coolest way to get around. Soon after I got my license, he let me drive his from Seattle to Montana one summer. In those early driving years, I also had a friend who loved pickups so much, he used to say this all the time to me. I got a 57 GMC pickup truck with a gun rack, and I'd rather step in shit than smoke it bumper sticker. <laughs> he actually had a Chevy short bed 4x4, but whatever. Since my early days in the cab, the American pickup has come a long way. That Dodge I rented, for instance, it didn't have a bench seat. Instead, big, beautiful buckets with plenty of lumbar support. Three on the tree, that's gone. Shifting now done with a six-speed automatic. Analog speedo replaced with digital readouts and that lousy AM-only radio. Huh, now you get a satellite receiver. The Dodge Ram I rented that night didn't go to waste. I loaded it with groceries to feed my racers and support staff, recon dirt sections and feed zones, and on race day, loaded it down with tools and tents and spare bikes. It was the star of the show at Twin Lakes and Pipeline Feed. And I was in heaven at the wheel, bouncing over whatever I please, window down, country music blaring, hell yes. <laughs> Since that trip, we have returned to Leadville three more times, and each time, instead of leaving it to luck, I've made sure that we reserved a full-size pickup. We have Leadville tested the Ford F-150 twice now and another Dodge. Leadville is a bike race, and that's what I'm here to do. But my Leadville pick is an American-made pickup truck. Gun rack not included. Oh, nothing beats a truck. I agree. Even though mine's just a little baby truck on a ridgeline. 11 years. Love it. I think that is going to be it for this episode of The Pace Line. If you haven't been to iTunes to rate and review us, please do, if you'd be so kind. And if you have, thank you. We owe you a poll. For Hottie and Patrick, I'm Fatty, and this is The Pace Line. Just one second. I want to reach for some medicine of mine. Is medicine a code word here?